Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, my patron peeps, it's time to sleep. Thanks for making it possible, my patron peeps. Uh, hey, everybody, it's Scoots. A lot of these episodes were recorded a few months ago. So before we get to the sleepy supporter zone, I just wanted to check in with you and let you know the podcast is going to be here twice a week for you on our regular Sunday, Wednesday schedule. Uh, daytime or nighttime, whenever you need it, you, you could call it up if you need a break or you need some rest. Uh, but you might be out there and you might need uh, something more. So I'm going to have uh, links to support and I'm going to be collecting new links and stuff. Uh, right now, I'm going to put them in the show notes. So if you find you, you need to reach out somewhere for help, I'll have links uh, to, to different places you could do that. And as I hear about more and more resources, I'll try to build a, a page or something for that. But for now, they'll be in the show notes. Uh because the podcast is here for you to, to support you and, and take your mind off of stuff. But if you need more support, it's out there for you. So please, please r- r- reach out and, and use those links if you need them. And if you know of any other resources, let me know. Thanks so much. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you sleep we do with a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm gonna do the rest and what i'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake you know whether that's uh, thoughts you know things you're thinking about you know things on your mind about the past the present or the future we're just you, you don't you see they're just thoughts coming up uh, it could be deep thoughts or shallow thoughts. I don't know if I've ever talked about deep or shallow thoughts. Sorry, thoughts. I didn't mean to call you shallow. Uh, though I love, by the way, I love shallow water. So uh, thoughts, a physical sensation. So anything coming up for you physically or feelings, anything emotionally coming up for you that, that, that might be uh, getting in the way of sleep. It could be something else, or no offense, but somebody else uh, who's snoring or tossing and turning or messing with the temperature in your uh, room or home, and now we're rolling our eyes and sighing at them, and maybe you're looking at them in, in a way that's both loving and uh, in a way that's, F, you know, well, I'm here to help with that. Uh, so, but it could be, tra- you know, travel, temperature, changes in routine, holy changes in routine. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't, shouldn't say holy changes in routine because you'd say, is that where your beliefs? And they say, no, I wish my belief system said, well, let's uh, celebrate these changes in routine. They offer us a learning opportunity or a growth. I'd say, well, you know what caused, you know, what keeps me up tossing, turning, learning opportunities and growth opportunities. I'd say, Carol Dweck, could, could I, like they say, no coffee afternoon. Or like 1 p.m. or whatever. I'd say no Carol Dweck after 2 p.m. They say, like, I'd put it. i like to put a stop to my growth mindset about uh, 2 p.m. If at all possible. I'd like to <laughs> I move into a fixed mindset around 4 p.m. And hopefully I'm fixing, you know, first I'm fixing my dinner. Then I'm fixing to relax. And then I'm fixing to get some sleep. But you might be wondering, what am I talking about? Well, yeah, I'm here to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is I'm trying to create a safe place, a little bit of a ridiculous place where you could set aside that stuff. Like I said, I'll send my voice across the deep, dark night. 
I'll use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, uh, pointless me. Those are creaky dulcet tones, like a creaky door mixed with something sweet. Like if your favorite door was creaky, and it was always creaky, it would be that that's a creaky dulcet door. Because then that was also a cologne, the creaky dulcet Dior, Dior collection by Dior. No one ordered that, so it did not work out for me or, you know, Dior. Now, this That was Christina Dior, not Christian. But we're no longer in business together because uh, they said, I knew that was bad. I said, well, you didn't think a creaky doll, this, this uh, seasonally, I smell like the seasonal scent of a creaky dulcet door. So, oh, what was I talking about? Though? Oh, send my voice across the deep dark night. Creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. You already got a few. Uh, superfluous tangents, extra words, a lot of nonsense. And if you're new, I want to give you some information right away because you always forget, and then I go off topic. And I'm but so if you're new, I'm glad you're here. If you're skeptical or doubtful, you're, you're probably, you're, you, you, like, I agree with you because I would be skeptical or doubtful or confused or off put or maybe a little bit flustered. Those are all natural reactions to this podcast. And so I want to acknowledge that is most feel, that's how most people feel when they first start listening. So a couple things to note. One, kind of see how it goes. Most listeners, it takes two or three tries to get used to the podcast. If they stick around, uh, but it does work for a lot of people. So see how it goes. But before you say, well, I'm not so sure about that. I say, okay, totally understand that. You're not ready to see how it goes. Uh, so let me give you information on starting out. If you're going to listen to this podcast, just barely listen to it. And you might say, what do you mean? This is, and I say, well, kind of don't pay super close attention. You can. But if you're trying to figure out when am I going to put you to sleep or how I'm going to do it or when am I going to get started doing it, I already got, uh, here's a hint, I already got started doing it because uh, I'm more here like to take your mind off stuff and keep you company than to put you to sleep. But also like I found that when people try to look at the podcast, like, you know, like they're looking for something that makes sense, oh boy. The only sense I make are ones that don't that Christina Dior tried to sell and didn't you know didn't work out. So there won't be a lot of making sense here. There'll be making up sense, uh, you know, but it's mostly nonsense, as I already said. So try to pro- approach the podcast in a loose way. You don't have to approach it in a friendly way, like a loose friendly way. You could say, "Well, like you know, like I said, keep, you know, keep me at a safe distance." And see how it goes. So one, this is one, this podcast you don't really need to pay attention to and you don't need to listen to. The other thing is there's no pressure to fall asleep. The shows are about an hour, so you have plenty of time to fall asleep. And I'm more keep you company as you drift off than put you to sleep. And if you can't sleep, you know, you're very important to me. If you're awake uh, or if you need the show or you need eight episodes tonight, I'm here for you. That's why I make the show, to keep you company. So if you can't sleep, I'm here. But also in the sense that that works. If you're asleep, I'm still here for you, even though you're asleep. It's great for both of us uh, because I get to be here doing uh, doing my job and keeping you company while you drift off. So, uh, okay, so those are, okay, so those are two things. You know. Oh, then structurally, that's the other thing that throws new listeners off. 
And the only thing I can do is kind of give you a heads up. It still might throw you off. And, you know, this is a podcast. You don't have to like it. Uh, like, it's optional. I hope it works for you. But even for the people that works for some of those people, they still don't exactly like the podcast. But uh, I hope it I hope it works for you. And I hope you kind of enjoy it. Um, I forgot what my point was. So structurally, oh, this, this so this can throw people off. So the show, this is the structure of the show, and then I'll go into some um, specifics. So show starts off with business. Well, show starts off with a teaser, a greeting, then business, and the business, and then an intro, uh, then business, and then I'll talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation. Doesn't matter if you. Well, I'll go into the details. Uh, then some thank yous. And the reason the podcast is structured that way is like uh, there's business at the beginning that helps us keep the podcast free for everybody. So not super important if you're new. And then there's business between the intro and the um, episode because that's just like some people like their business there. Uh, but because you say, well, why would it be after the intro? Uh, and they say, well, and, and then some people say, okay, tell me about the intro. And they say, well, the intro is around 12 to 14 to 16 to 18 to 19 to 17 and 15, 13, occasionally 11 minutes of me introducing the podcast. So if you're, you know, thinking about it logically, you say, wait a second, it takes you 11 to 13 to 12 to 14 to 15 or 17 or 16 or 18 or 19 minutes to introduce a, po- a sleep podcast. Shouldn't you just say sleep with me podcast to put you to sleep tonight? We're talking about Star Trek and then move on to putting me to sleep. And I'd say, well, that's a legitimate thing. And I do really wish that it worked that well, like that. uh, I could just do a one minute intro and then talk about Star Trek, the next generation. And for about 2% of listeners, it does work that well. They skip ahead and they start the show at about 20 minutes. Uh, but for most listeners and for myself, I need a bedtime routine and a wind down routine. And so the intro, it serves two purposes. It introduces the new listeners to the show. And for the regular listeners, it's new every time. And it becomes part of their wind down routine. So it gives you time to ease into bedtime. So some listeners may fall asleep, but most listeners are either getting ready for bed, they start it playing before they get in bed, or they get they just got in bed and they're getting comfortable. They've been in there, whatever, six or seven minutes now. What up? The bed's starting to get warm finally, huh? So the intro is, like, you could say it's long and drawn out. And I would say, well, more like long and scribbled out, but... uh yeah, it's just the whole purpose is to get, ease you into bedtime. I don't know, like, because uh, that is the intro. The intro is one of the things people feel strong, like that the podcast doesn't work for, feel strongest about. That and the business. And the business is kind of unavoidable because they want the podcast to be free. But in the intro, it does serve a purpose for most listeners. And then it's easy to skip or patrons just listen. Some patrons just listen to story only episodes. But really, if you become a regular listener, the most listeners are fans of the intro because they, that's the part of the show they hear, which I guess is ironic uh, because they put way more work into the story portion of the show. But I think the work I put in the show is what enables you not to have to listen to it. Uh, so that'll be the intro. Then there's business. And then I'll talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, a couple things. If you don't watch the show, don't worry. It'll be soothing and sleepy like a bedtime story. 
if you're a big fan of Star Trek The Next Generation, you don't necessarily need to worry about it either because it won't make you say, I don't think that was an episode, Scoots. I don't remember any of that happening. I say, well, it's my interpretation of it. So either way, you're covered. You say, well, one day I'm going to watch all. I say, well, again, you say, I thought Scoots talked about this episode. I don't remember any balloon animals. So that's the structure of the show. So those are the things, if you're new, that you need most remind, like, that I, like, I don't know, that I want you to know about. And then I was thinking at the beginning, I was talking about shallow thoughts and deep thoughts, right? And I just thought of this because I said, wait a second. Okay, so so not many times you say that deep thoughts are, have a negative connotation. Unless, like, it's like you're, um, I don't know how many people have kids in, in their lives. Uh, but, like, children from the age of, like, uh, 10 to uh, 45 they've been known to do some deep thinking in a room where you might want to also use it to, uh, you know, go to, go to the restroom. And so then you might say, can you, can you finish up with those deep thoughts in there, please? I got to get in there. And, uh, uh, so that like, uh, that's the only time that deep people say, wow, you and your deep thinking, or they say, what are you doing? Sitting around there thinking about deep space or, so there's not many times people say that, but shallow thoughts, they really, like you say, like a shallow thought, you'd say, well, how's my hair? You say, oh boy, you and your shallow thoughts. They'd say, wait a second, you could read my mind? You knew I was thinking about my hair? And they'd say, well, because your thoughts were so shallow. Your mind's easy to read with those sh- shallow thoughts. Uh, but how come shallow, like here's a, like, because I, 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 I said it, I said, I thought, you know, when you think about shallow water, it's almost like the opposite. Like deep water, you associate it with being cold, maybe having too many fish, uh, but shallow water, I'll tell you what, put me in some shallow water at a beach where I could see my, you know, put my feet in and see my feet, you know, maybe one or two minnows and it's warm. Holy shallow water. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes shallow thoughts, you, you really need them. Uh, I mean, you say, well, the, you know, they don't involve any deep stuff. They don't have to be narcissistic, you know, or you don't have to use that word, right? You say, well, it's just thinking about bubble gum. I guess that's a shallow thought, uh, chewing it, uh, that I don't know what other shallow thoughts, cause I don't want to like say something's a shallow thought. It might be a deep thought. You know, one person's shallow thought is, uh, another person's, uh, the, you know, think piece. But I think we could all agree. I'm just trying to think of who would object to shallow water. I mean, obviously, ship, you know, big ships, they'd say, well, we can't even get in there. Or, you know, uh, sea, sea beings that need deep water. But you say, well, shallow water, you could, you know, it's good for your ankles. Sometimes it's good to sit down in. I mean, I'm talking about Hollywood water, by the way. You know, not normal everyday water. You might say, well, scoots, I'm picturing, I say, no, no, this is only Hollywood water. You know, the Hollywood is I'm, I'm leaning into the Hollywoodization of shallow water. So, yeah, the one with the sunlight filtering through, sandy bottom to holy cow. I mean, yeah, if you have shallow water with M-U-C-K on the bottom, that's a different story. But uh, I'm here to glorify yeah, the, the what's already been glorified in a shallow, you know, because I'm just here to be shallow. I'm talking shallow. shallow 
shallow, shallow cast. We're talking shallow, the shallow water cast, uh, the shallow episode, just talking about how great it is, how pretty it is. Uh, but those are deep things at the same time, but not in this case, you say. I mean, to the, um, to the minnow in there, they say, well, this is, what do you mean? This is shallow water. It's a perfect temperature. It's my, you know, this is my home until I go over there and then that's my home. And then you don't even see me when, you know, when after dark, you don't know where I am. But really, I'm still in the shallow water cruising around. Where do you sleep in the shallow water somewhere? Okay, well, that's good to know. So, I don't know. That was just something I was thinking about. One of my shallow thoughts, I said, how come shallow water does not get the credit? Well, I guess it's not transferable. You say, well, shallow thoughts, Scoots, I don't know if you know this, different words have different meaning. They say, whoa, 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 hold the phone. Does this mean everything I learned with, like, Latin prefixes and those kind of things? Should I throw all that out the window? Well, scoots, shallow is actually a word. It's not a prefix. Are those called prefixes or somebody going to email me and they say, no, no, that's not what it's called. Well, I don't know because I'm within your brain. But I'm just telling you shallow water and shallow thoughts, those are two different things. Kind of, though. But isn't, can you agree with me that shallow water is pretty darn great? So why wouldn't shallow thoughts at least be pretty okay? Can you give me an example, Scoots? Okay, let's say you look at a, the blue sky. You don't like, and you're like me. You know nothing. You like you've learned about clouds and blue. You know that there's like water vapor or something, or you know it's like that you can't see space because of whatever. But you really don't know anything. You say, "Darn, that sky looks good. It's pretty, pretty blue, except for the wispy clouds." Oh boy, that's nice. Is that a good, isn't that a good shallow thought to have? Or what about the wind? And you say, whew, that wind, it's a little chilly, but it feels not. Okay, I know I have to work on expanding my vocabulary. But you say, oh boy, it feels nice. Uh, Oshkosh, but gosh, that wind in my hair. That's a, that's a summer breeze, even though it's spring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. All right, well, good talking to you. Yeah, great talking to you. I'll see you in a minute, you know, when, when, right in your brain right now. All right, go ahead and go up there. I got to finish this intro. So I think that's it. Whether you have, like, I'm here to take your mind off of any thoughts or feelings or physical sensations. I'm here to keep you company. I make this show because I've been there and I know how it feels waking up early, tossing and turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. I've had it all. Uh, and I think it's important. I think, I don't think I know you deserve a good night's sleep and I'm here to try to help if I can. I really appreciate you checking this show out. It giving you, giving me your time. I work very hard. I yearn and I try strive, uh, to help you fall asleep. And, uh, here's a couple of ways we're able to keep the show free for you and everybody else listening. Thanks. All right, hey everybody, it's Scooter here, and we're talking about uh, Sleeping with TNG, Season 1, Episode 12, Data Lore. Uh, And now this is the first lore episode on TNG, it was my second lore episode, and I'm not sure if the first lore episode came out or uh, it's recorded and it hasn't come out, and I'll switch the order, so I don't know what order you'll be hearing this in, but... uh, 
get a little we get actually a lot of data 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 backstory and you do have to uh, remember that this is season one so there is a lot of exposition and so it's it's cool for me to go back to it and because there's so many day i've seen so many and this is my first time seeing the episode the first time i watched it i mean now i've seen it like six times uh but it was uh what was i trying to say i have no idea now Oh, it was just fun to see all the stuff about Noonie and Soong that was fresh information to to the audience and the Enterprise crew that, that I had already known. I don't know. It's it's fun to, like, consume exposition out of order. Uh, it's very, like, expository and informative and fun. I don't know. As a person that makes stuff, uh, I don't know how many other shows are that you could just watch totally out of order and random, the random way I've been watching TNG. Because I started my TNG consumption with Max uh, from Cards' uh, blog post. This episode, in another episode, my friend Lauren uh, from uh, uh, This Is Love podcast and uh, another podcast that rhymes with uh, minimal uh, with uh, Phoebe, uh, she was rewatching season one of TNG and kind of giving me some reports. So I watched episode 12. At first, I watched uh, episode. I can't remember the other one I watched, but, uh, uh, so anyway, that's where we're at is a data lore, which, uh, it's a one word data lore and opens cabinet log is four, one, two, four, two dot four last assignment. We're going into Omnicron data star system, home of Android crew member, Lieutenant commander data we're doing our next assignment, but I wanted to stop and see data's home planet. Why? Uh, for a few hours uh, in the hopes of unraveling some of the mysteries of his beginnings. That doesn't really give us what what drives the mystery. Oh, I guess uh, their mission. Uh, Yeah, so that does make sense. I didn't realize, I didn't read that uh, until now, but, I mean, it does subtextually kind of guide the theme of the episode. Uh, Wesley is on the bridge, and, and so he's already progressed to bridge. But I said, what's with his uniform? Uh, and then Picard says, yo, where's data at? You know, we're getting ready to go to his house. We'll be there in 20 minutes, Shorty says. 20 minutes out, coming out of warp, uh, standard parking orbit. Uh, oh, Riker's one. But Picard says, yeah, data wanted to be alone with his thoughts. Uh, maybe it's a big moment for him. Then we go back to data. We see he has triangle sideburns, which later in the episode I would realize that, uh, uh, um, Riker also had, I don't know if that, I don't think that was a thing at the time. Uh, you see, boy, that's pointed the thing you're doing with your sideburns, but data's practicing sneezing in uh, a very, uh, a true thing. Also a question came up for me that I don't think I'll research the answer. Why does data have a mirror? And again, when you think about this, uh, thematically, uh, who would be more con- concerned with their image, right, of uh, their appearance? And what is that ever called when you think about your appearance? But uh, not, I don't know, but, like, would it be data or lore? Because, I mean, I guess you have, like, when, if data's an android, wouldn't he be able to just do a scan and be like, shirt's tucked in? No, you know, I don't think he has to check his nose for anything. He doesn't, I don't know if he could, I don't think he gets food on his face, but it just made me think of it because he's practicing in a mirror. But of course, for this episode, mirror images are important. 
so I don't know. Also, the word agog gets used. Wesley comes, doesn't ring the doorbell. Come on, Wesley. Or knock. Uh, Wesley, you could see how much Wesley loves data. Like, really. Uh, we'll see get a couple of glimpses of Data's room. I don't know if this is his office, though. But Wesley says, what are you doing? Data says, practicing sneezing. What does it look like I'm doing? Uh, oh, they talk about colds, which was in the past, no longer. But Because uh, Data says, well, people still sneeze, sneeze for other reasons other than, you know, things we've gotten rid of. Uh, he's, he, Wesley says, why are you practicing that now? We're going to your planet. Are you worried or something? He goes, no, I'm fascinated, interested. A gog. That's when a gog gets used. Uh, but I also find sneezing interesting. Again, Spiner really gets to ham it up on this episode in a good way. Captain wants you at the bridge. No, Natasha Yar's on the bridge. She says, no vegetation, nothing on this planet. We get a lot of soaring music. Uh, uh, they say, Data, you want to take it into orbit? He goes, nah, no thank you, when he comes onto the bridge with Wesley. Uh, then Data looks at the planet. At first, he kind of seems stunned. This is around two minutes in the episode. And then he kind of seems unsure. There's a lot on his face. I'm watching it now. He kind of, like, looks awkward. Then everybody looks at him. Uh, great acting. They could get into orbit. Riker really stares Data down. Uh, then there's a lot of exposition about memories, uh, sweet memories, uh, home sweet home. Uh, what data? Do you have any memories of home data? Riker asks. Well, kind of. I had like science memories. Uh, Yar says, "How can you hold uh, memories of 411 people, all in things, uh, in every moment of their lives?" And data goes, "That's not how it works. Uh, only have their accumulated knowledge." I'm deficient in basic human information, like sneezing. Uh, that cracks Riker up. Uh, then they say, all right, get barking. Riker, get ready to, for your away team. He, what Riker starts pointing at people. Won't be the last time this episode he points at people. They say, geez, like, uh, too bad I can't come with me, Picard. But he says, well, number one's got to be responsible. Uh, and then Picard says, Mr. Data, welcome home. Data just nods. Uh, away crews, Jordy, Yar, uh, Riker, and Worf. Uh, then we open. Then we get the first officer's log, which kind of is out of order uh, because uh, they haven't landed yet. But the first officer's log says, yeah, nothing here. Uh, uh, no, not even vegetation. Uh, no, nothing. Not even soil stuff. Uh, what could have happened? A desert planet almost. They they all phase in. Uh, then they run the scans so that we knew. Okay, once again, nothing's living. Nothing's living here. Once a farmland, now a dust bowl. They uh, say, "Is this the right place?" He goes, "Topographically, contour-wise, this is the area." Uh, then they say, geez, they do a little exposition. This, Jordy says, this happened like 20, 30 years ago. They, Data says, well, I got found 26 years ago. Jordy says, this must have started right around the time they found you. Data goes, let's go 20 meters that way. They see uh, the stairs. The season one, I think, particularly features this very, uh, this music I enjoy, slightly distracting. I don't know if that's just the mix or the elements of it, but I do enjoy it. Uh, 
some it, wind chimes mixed in with the music. Uh, they get down to date as like stone, uh, concrete bed. Uh, it's out in the open. Data says, yeah, it was covered in a layer of dust uh, when they found me. Or like, uh, I think that's what he says. Something about a layer of dust. Uh, oh, yeah, Tasha says, you're just out here in the open? Like nothing? And he says, yep, only a layer of dust. What's the first thing you remember, Data? Opening my eyes to the Tripoli landing party. Uh, and they said there's some signal device that saw them, sent them nearby and uh, turned me on. And Tasha loves it. She goes, this is the spot of your birthplace. Then Jordy's sleuthing around. Somehow he figures out there's a secret door. I mean, he said, holy, Watson, Watson's pulling a Holmes here. And he deduced, he did use some deduction because saying, well, this is like, uh, I think this was their intent. Uh, uh, He opens the door, more music. They go into a cave. uh, Then it's a complete base in there. Uh, Also, Data talks about, geez, the humans are probably storing info in me. Uh, No readings. There's a long haul. There's like a good lighting. And I said, well, is this an imitation of natural light or natural light? Uh, I mean, it makes the cast look good. But I said, if you lived in the base, this would be good. Uh, uh, Then they go through a circle door open. They go into a lab. There's like this Indiana Jones music now. Really re-listen to it. Uh, It's just like if Indiana Jones was like discovering like some treasure. So you say, oh, this is treasure discovering music. we see neon tubes. Uh, this is well-equipped lab. I got to pause it coming up here because there's some kids' pictures I wanted to call, pause it on. Uh, what else do we need to know while this is going? Oh, this episode came out in uh, 1987, uh, which is quite a, you know, quite, quite a long time ago. Uh, some might even say 20, 30, uh, 30-something years, 33 years or something. So, yeah, we see the lab. Everybody walks in. I guess with the scanners, you say, what are they doing? But I guess because they have the scanners, they know everything's fine. Because I wouldn't just be walking into, I guess I've watched one too many movies myself. Uh, Data remembers some of his functions being tested in the lab. Okay, here's the kids' pictures. Uh, let's wait for the Zoom. Posted by Proud Parents. Uh, uh, nine minutes. Uh, Four kids' pictures of a crystal thing. And, oh, boy, they actually, nine minutes and 35 seconds uh, is a close-up. There's uh, different versions of it, but uh, the one on the top right is my favorite by far. Uh, But I guess the one, I mean, it's the most well-drawn and is different than the other three. The other three are very similar, though the top left one also has some good details. Uh, but Riker uh, clearly likes the bottom right one. That's the only one that's signed by Josh M. And, oh, yeah, you want more details? The bottom two by Josh M. And another child that didn't uh, put their name on their paper, probably because they're just doing it for fun. Uh, those are on, like, a light, a mint green-colored paper. Both of them are uh, have the crystalline entity. They have ground. They have the land, uh, like a ground, and then a crystal entity in the sky. 
And then people running around saying, oh, are there crystals? Like, uh, I've never seen a crystal before, a giant crystal in the sky. Uh, the one on the left does not feature very much color, kind of done in a brown. It might have some blues. Then the one by Josh M is mostly brown. It has some stars either in the sky or coming off the crystal entity. Uh, some rock details on the ground. And then a, two red people and a blue person running, saying, oh, boy, look at that crystal entity. Uh, then on the top left is a picture done on a sky blue uh, paper that one has ground it also has a couple rocks it has some stars or some crystals oh no wait that one is done by somebody can i zoom in no that's also by maybe J- josh's brother it looks like jeff or jaff m or j j a e m i think or hi i guess you'd say uh, but that one is uh, has a lot of people jumping for joy and like saying oh looks like you jump up to the crystal then the crystal has some blues and some yellows and some browns, but mostly they're drawn in brown. Uh, then the top right one is a white piece of paper. Well, oh no, that one's by John B. So I guess I was wrong. Most of the kids did label their work. Uh, I apologize. Uh, but John B., white piece of paper, a lot of uh, detail, a lot of detail. So not a crystal entity, but more of a, the light coming from one. Uh, which includes yellow and white light. Uh, it's an evening blue horizon sky done with details. And then the people are done with a lot of details that are dealing with the crystal entity, like even facial expressions and even um, reaction lines. And the people, like very, very good detail by John B., let me just see if I hit play what happens with this other one, if it has. I think it does have a name, but I can't see it because of, uh, I needed the closed captioning so I can look at the, um, what do you call that? What is that called? Where, the dialogue. Um, then Data says, geez, I don't even know what that represents. Uh, kids' pictures and expression. Oh, let's see here. I think an impression of this Noonien Soong's world starter-like video gave more exposition backstory. Uh, and the data says, I have no idea what the pictures represent, but I recognize this workstation. It's Noonien Soong's, which is, oh, it's from video games. It, it, like, if you ever played a video game, particularly currently Outer Worlds, it's like the engineering stations you'd play a video game at or a bench, a workbench. Uh, exactly like that. So interesting influence. Uh, okay, so then we get some Noonien Soong. Uh, oh, there's uh, Dr. Soong's work area, Data says. Uh, and then they say, who? And they say, Noonien Soong? Uh, and then Data says, yeah. Uh, but he had a different name when he got here. They say, Noonien Soong was the first foremost robot scientist. Until he tried to make Osmov's positronic brain, and uh, he made he promised too much, and then he didn't deliver, and so uh, he had to disappear. No one knows where he went, but maybe he tried a second try. Uh, so then Riker says, "Let's split up. Uh, look around. Well, I think I just saw another kid's picture behind Tasha Yar. Let me see this here. A, he says, "Go ro- Yar." Wharf re- reconnoiter. Oh, huh. Gonna rewind it again. This is around 10 minutes into the episode. 
Uh, let's see. Pause it. Tashi art. No, more of a. Well, it could be a kid's picture or it's a label of some sort on the wall. Not really. It's really symbol, symbolic. So, um, let's see. Then they find this capsule that has some molds for data. Uh, like, uh, data puts the one on. It kind of looks like the outline, like something from the, the movie Metropolis, I think. Uh, then there's a room full of steam, which, uh, they say. Without Riker's permission, Data opens the door, even though they were interested. It looks like a storage room, and all the steam pours out or smoke. I said, well, that doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know. I, 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 there's multiple WTFs in this episode. That wasn't even didn't even get a WTF on my notes. Uh, uh, but there's sound effects. I notice uh, definitely worth watching because there's Data's butt on uh, the bottom left. Uh, and I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, but it's, uh, I'll pause it to let you know the timestamp just in case you say, well, I got to see Data's butt. It technically lures rear end and not Data's butt. Uh, okay, door opens. There's a lot of steam. Everybody's looking. Steam clears out. And uh, so what, you, what time? Yeah, if you want to see it, it's 1147. Uh, and... Let's see, sound effects, but on the left, yeah. Uh, Data starts looking at it, the head, which has a wig on it. Uh, is this another me? Uh, let's see, Commander. Uh, yeah, can this be another me? Uh, Data's kind of, or my brother, he says, he looks over at them. And they say, well, we don't know, Data. Uh, and he, Data says, can I put this thing together? Riker says, well... Uh, like, we don't know if this thing can actually work, you know, come alive. And Data says, well, it's important for me to find out, sir. I never dreamed it was possible uh, that I might find some link with a form of my own. And, I mean, this is a little bit dry. You know, like, emotionally, we'll get closer to Data as the seasons wear on. And we'll get a more sense of the profound loneliness of being Data. So we don't quite get, it's nice for me to go back to this because I can relate. I say, well, I understand data's profound loneliness in the universe. I mean, in a multitude of ways, but like, uh, so sometimes it's good to watch these old episodes again. Riker says, don't worry, we'll take it back to the ship. Uh, we go back to the ship. I think there's an ad break. Then we go back. Captain's log 412.45. We see, they say, yeah, we checked out Data's planet, uh, discovered something, put it in blue liquid. So we get a bunch of Data's parts in blue liquid. They're trying to, then we get this, uh, this is like, if you've ever been on a ride on Epcot Center, uh, there's a short montage with music, uh, and it looks like you're going by workers at, at, at the, uh, like if Epcot Center had an Android lab. Or like a fake display of robot, what do you call it? Animatronic finger, figures working on an android. This would be it because it has that music and everybody's just kind of working for a little while, collaborating. And Data's watching. And then Beverly Crusher shows up, Dr. Beverly Crusher, of course. Uh, she says, they need you on the bridge. Data says, well, I'm anxious here. Mr. Argyle's the chief engineer at this point. Never heard of him. I mean, I'm not kidding. They said, are you related to the Argyle from um, uh, that movie with Bruce Willis? Uh, who was, you know, uh, but Data says, do you think you can get this thing working? 
And they say, well, we don't understand how you work data. I said, what do you mean? You never uh, looked inside data yet? Uh, and uh, uh, let's see. And then they say, well, what, oh, before data leaves, they go, well, maybe we could compare bo- your body with uh, your your uh, double's body to see. Are you okay with that? And Beverly says, let's get back to work data. They're working on it. And then the data walks into a meeting about data uh and uh which is awkward Riker and Jordy share a look uh and then Riker says uh, I'll, I'll do more of the dialing say he was all your parts underscore underscore it, like a uh, hearty har har and they go like the part we heard about uh yeah he says uh all your parts uh and he almost starts laughing Data says completely, and then they say, "Well, do we, do we going to know how to turn it on?" Uh, and they say, "What part are you talking about?" And uh, they say, "Jesus, this is uncomfortable." Picard has to talk about the situation. He says, "This is uncomfortable uh, for everybody, right?" And we're being awkward. He goes, "It's awkward. You might be. It's hard to say that data is a machine, but he goes, we're an organic machine. So let's just acknowledge the feeling in the room." It's okay to feel your feelings. Move forward. And that's why he's the leader, right? And they say, Data, what do you think? And he says, well, uh, why am I a human form? Uh, and Jordy says, well, relate, you're relatable. And Data says, well, or is it some other reason? Uh, and they say, well, maybe it's performance. Uh, you know, you operate as well as we do, better in some ways, sir. Data says, uh, then Riker says, well, how about this kid, picture this kid drew uh, or something? I don't know. And Riker goes, are there any other writing? And he goes, I like this one by Josh M., even though now it's red. Before it was not red, maybe. And then instantly they call Data back down, even though he's only gone for a few minutes. Uh, they say, Data, we need your help down here. Jody rubs his hands. uh uh, data shows Beverly how he has an off switch hidden in his hip, uh, and he makes a joke joke about an Android alarm clock that falls flat. Uh, and I said, she, she said, she goes, "Are you sure?" He goes, "Just keep this our secret." I was like, "They never looked at this." So then they start opening data and comparing them side by side. But I was surprised, like they never looked at, like I don't know. It really, I mean, they really practice what they preach in this uh, new world, uh, dignity and respect for all beings. Uh, but he says, let's keep the switch on the down low. Beverly agrees. Uh, then we get the side by side of the datas. Uh, uh, then, you know, they do, you know, they say, let's connect A to B or whatever. Uh, Close it up. Then Picard comes in like and like he's all smiles, uh, uh, like uh, as they go back in uh, with Riker behind him. Riker's smiling. He says like, "Jesus, uh, no, hasn't looks good, but no consciousness yet." Uh, Picard gets close. He says, "Huh, interesting." He stares at it for a while while Data talks. Uh, looks the same. Do you think it is the same? Don't know. Which one was made first, do you think? Uh, and then the, the Laura comes to life. He says he was. Uh, 
And he goes, but he, they found him to be imperfect, uh, and they, I was made to replace him. And then he looks at Data and kind of winks or something and goes back to sleep. Uh, makes like a, like a, and he goes, you can call me Lore. His eyebrows are up, he's grinning, and, and uh, Data's totally stunned. And we go to an ad. Then we have Picard and Data talking about Lore. Like Picard says, why is it to call you imperfect? Uh, and Data goes, I don't know, human language? I, I said, maybe he's better at language than I am. Picard goes, well, what's the whole, the whole point of uh He goes, if you have the same capabilities. Uh, and Data goes, by the way, you're calling Lore it. Uh, and he goes, does that mean I'm an it, a thing? Picard goes, oh, my apologies. I'm sorry. Which, again, man, Picard's good. And Data says, by the way, Lore has, has syntax and grammar. He probably has human memories similar to my own. And Picard goes, you think you're equal? And Data goes, I think so. And then Picard says, I got another question. You know, since the two of you are the same, Data goes, don't worry about it. I'm loyal to you and the uh, Starfleet Academy, you know, Starfleet uh, completely. Picard goes, okay, I thought so. Uh, then we get like uh, uh, Jordy, like WTF again. I've seen this in other episodes. Like they're letting Lore, Lore's like uh, commit, learning how to fly the ship on the bridge. And Data walks up. He's shocked. Uh, everybody's like, oh, I mean, I guess they said, wow, we got somebody new to hang with. Uh, uh, Wesley, but Worf does not. Worf kind of glares at Riker. Uh, but then, you know, he says, okay, cause so I could do this or travel the ship in all three dimensions. Uh, and then Picard goes, uh, in the square of a hypotenuse to, uh, what does Picard say? He just throws him a question. In the square of a hypotenuse, uh, to the right triangle is the sum of the equal to the square to the other two parts, uh, Lore says to, oh no. And then he forgets, uh. He says, I don't understand. Uh, and then Laura says, by the or Data says, you're not approved to be on the bridge, dude. Uh, uh, and then Wesley goes, yeah, there's rules on starship, star, star, starships. Uh, Laura goes, well, I guess I got duties to perform. Uh, and Laura goes, Data, you're never this anxious to please. And he goes, yeah, Laura's uh, like a better people pleaser. He goes, and Laura says, I enjoy uh, pleasing people. And he goes, my sibling. And then Jordy says, oh, I love that you like the sibling love. Uh, and Laura says, isn't it important to keep everybody happy? Data goes, well, it's there's many things that are important, not just one thing. Then Worf and Riker are kind of glaring. And they go on, a, Data gives one look back as they get on the turbo lift. Uh, and then Riker and Worf share another look. And Data goes, that hypotenuse question was a trick, by the way. And, uh, like, uh, he goes, he goes, Riker's smart. And Worf goes, I guess I underestimated him. He goes, by the way, Wesley is too. He's not a child. He just has a child's body. It's much more than that. And Laura goes, thanks for that information. Uh, you really do care about me, brother. And I hope I'm worthy of you, but don't be jealous of me either. You know, my good looks and all that. Uh, uh, Data's kind of speechless as the lure walks off. Then 
we go into Data's bedroom. Worf's also in kind of like a robe outfit. Uh, Data sits down and Data goes, by the way, I'm going to bring, I'm going to give you full access to the computers, all the information about the ship and Noonie and Soong. Lore jokes about off and wrong Soong. which, because uh, he was uh, he was a genius by human standards, uh, but humans, you know, weren't nice to him. And he's going to see Lore's got a, like a, a beef, uh, and he goes, he ends up being right, uh, you know, superior to humans. He goes, uh, he taps his head with a great sound effect, uh, our beloved father. And he goes, when am I going to have a uniform like you? And Laura goes, Dave says, well, four years in the academy, three years as an ensign, then 10 or 12 years on different ships. Uh, Laura goes, I don't have time for that. That's for humans with limited abilities. Uh, You're starting to be like a human. He goes, you and I are superior. We're different from them. Because you just want these memories you just have when you could have a, a hundred colonists. Why not have everything? Thousands, millions, uh, all the knowledge in the world, uh, all the life forms of every kind. Then he has a little glitch up. Uh, and he goes, we'll learn about this more in time. And Data goes, okay, well, I'll just give you, full, he goes, well, I'm going to give you full access to the computer. And then Data says, well, who was first? Uh, and Lord goes, I'm not going to estimate you. He stands in front of the mirror. He goes, you were made first. Uh, he goes, uh, but not really. He goes, you, I was made perfect. Uh, he goes, but I was so perfect that the humans got envious of me when I lived with the colonists. Uh, made him uncomfortable. And so he had to make a com- more comfortable, less perfect android, you. Uh, a little bit less human. Uh, or something he goes uh he goes because i can use contractions and handle human spe- speech easier can't uh or or isn't uh, which you can't do cannot is not he can makes fun of data and then he jokes about it he, he gets to ham up again uh potato potato and he goes you can't make jokes either uh, very well data goes yeah quite true I keep trying to be more human and it keeps failing, which is the most human thing. Uh, then Laura says, do you realize, brother, I can make you more human. I can give you whatever you want. Uh, and Data goes, do you realize, Laura, I have to tell on you now? Because uh, of your disrespect for humans. And Laura goes, well, I knew it. Uh, I knew you'd do that. Yeah, there's like a, a lot of foreshadowing in there. Yeah, and the mirror image stuff. Uh, and he goes, well, he goes, I want you to write, Data says, I want you to write a report on all the bad stuff you're up to. Well, it's full access to, the, on this computer, you know, that you have access to the, um, you know, everything. And you do that, I got to get back to work. So behave. Uh, and Laura goes, no problem. And then he goes, unless you need anything else. And Laura goes, I have more than I thought you, I possibly have ever dreamed of, my brother. Like, and I put Laura's a riot. Uh, then he downloads everything. I uh, put Hack City. The workstation's 40271. I think that's on the top right of the workstation. Uh, then I think we go to an ad. Uh, yeah, then it's Captain's Log again, 41242.5. Uh, 
Now, Laura told us what happened to the colonists, a crystalline entity that was in the, uh, we, we, you know, we, we built a picture from Josh's picture. Great crystalline entity feeds, you know, feeds, uh, takes, it takes a life force and, you know, the, you know, makes, makes a desert. It's a desert producing crystal. Uh, Josh says, well, how'd they get out of there? And they go, well, they weren't, neither one of them was alive. Data wasn't turned on or was disassembled. Uh, and that's why, uh, the, you know, it didn't turn them into a desert. Uh, and, you know, they, there's more, a little more backstory. And they say, well, this experiment didn't really work. Riker says, I don't believe any of this. Uh, and Picard goes, well, we don't know everything, Riker. Uh, it's possible. And then they say, Yar says, Data, where's Alor? Is he just cruising around the ship? And then they go, oh, yeah, he was on deck four. Worf gave him a bunch of tools. Worf goes, oh, totally. He gave him some tools for quadranium. And Data goes, oh, that's not suspicious at all. That's, you're probably making an ointment for his elbow bomb. But I'll go check down on him. I'm going to go check on him. And then everybody kind of shames Data. So this was a weird scene. Uh, they see Beverly says, "Why are you going to spy on your brother?" Uh, and Picard uh, goes, "That's what Starfleet officers do. They follow orders." Uh, and Data nods, walks off. Yeah, but I said, "What the heck is with the security on the ship?" Uh, yeah, they're like, "Data, you got to be more kind to him." Uh, then they get off the ship, and this is another good scene, 28 minutes in. Tasha goes, uh, speaking, you know, as a security officer, I guess because Worf uh, isn't there yet, clearly. Uh, she goes, can we trust uh, Data, basically? And everybody gives her a double take. Uh, and Picard goes, uh, look at Wesley looks, Geordi looks, what, what? Uh, and Picard goes, as a necessary and legitimate question by a security officer, I like it, Yar beams at that, uh, but he goes, no, no worries. Uh, then Lore's making champagne uh, for him and Data in the room, uh, but a sleepy champagne with a caviar kiss uh, for Data uh, to put him right to sleep. So they tried to look up the name of the champagne. It's like, uh, but uh, uh it's like really long, something premier guard, uh, premier. And so, yeah, they have a bottle of champagne kisses. And Laura says, let's do a toast, man, to me and you. Uh, uh, before Data toasts, and he holds up his glass, he makes one of those pucker faces. And they say, to caviar dreams. And then Laura says, by the way, Data, have you ever watched, do you, are you familiar with the thing of the great pumpkin? Data goes, no. And then he scans his data. He goes, is it from the Charlie Brown? And then Laura goes, it is. Uh, and Laura goes, to me, the great crystal entity is the great pumpkin. They're one and the same. And I'm expecting the great crystal entity, any, you know, to come like just like the great pumpkin and bring us gifts. Uh, then he gives Data a champagne kiss, uh, which makes Data fall asleep. I don't know how that works, but it just does. Uh, and said, Data says, I have to lie down. I guess, like, he's like, this is real sh Android champagne, like double proof or something. And so Data has to sleep. Uh, and uh, Laura says, while you sleep, I'll wait the arrival of the great crystal pumpkin entity. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, what's going to happen is I'm going to download, we're going to download every memory, me and the great pumpkin. And I'll ride the great pumpkin off into the sky. First, I'm going to, you know, go download you. Yeah, w- w- right now, uh, Lore hams it up for a while. I'm talking about soon, uh, yeah, he had to disassemble me because colonists didn't like me. He goes, but then, you know, I told the crystal entity everything. So then we go back to uh, ship. They, uh, they say, data sending out messages, subspace, the wharf says. Uh, Riker says, oh, he's doing research. That totally makes sense. He's downloading something. Uh, but they say, just in case, Wesley, could you go check on him? Uh, and Wesley stands up. This is another one worth pausing. 30 minutes, 31 minutes in the show. Wesley walks off the cruise, like, laughing at his, like, enthusiasm. Uh, then Lore's dressed as Data. He says, Crystal Entity, I'll call myself Data when you call in. He glitches. Wesley rings the doorbell this time. And Lore says, hey, what's up, kid? Uh, he goes, by the way, Lore's sleeping. Uh, he, he had too much champagne. He likes to sleep on And Wesley goes, what do you mean? I thought we only had synthesol, you know, and he says, oh, no, don't worry. He's just sleeping on the floor because it's more comfortable for him. It's not because he drank too much non-synthesol. And then Wesley's kind of suspicious, but Lore's kind of trying to play Wesley with his contraction, non-contractions. And he goes, go tell the captain uh, that I'm coming up to the bridge. Wesley's not sure of things. and he walks off. Lore thinks he has him, except for his tick, uh, because Lore said, well, I'm just pretending to be Lore as Data. So Lore fixes his tick. Uh, nothing discreet about him. Is that what something says? Uh, I don't know. But oh, I think, uh, oh, that's what they say. Go down there and find out discreetly what Lore's up to. And they put nothing discreet about him, uh, about Wesley. Uh, so Wesley's a little, f- he fixes the tick. I think that's when we go to an ad, maybe. Oh, no, not yet. Uh, a little bit more. Fix that tick. He puts the tick on data, so data's his lore. Uh, then we have, uh, the ship is coming in. Uh, Beverly says, Wesley, what, uh, why was it, well, how much did lore, data say lore had to drink? And he says, well, he turned him, he said he just shut him down after he said he had to go take a nappy poo. And Wes, Beverly says, well, this is something not right. But again, everybody's kind of like uh, uh, not seeing the truth either. So Beverly's more like, I thought I had a secret. Uh, and she goes, Data, how come I thought you told me we had a secret? About your off switch, and he could data data lore says, uh, I'm gonna change. I changed my mind, uh, I trust you. Then Jordy says, We got a bogey at five o'clock, uh, no ID, put it on the main uh, viewer, uh, to send it a friendly message. Picard says, uh, and we see it's a crystal entity moving fast, uh. Data says, holy cow, that's beautiful. Data lore says that. Wesley says, oh, boy, that's not good. They they say, Riker says, that's the crystalline entity from Josh M's picture. And everyone's like, what in the heck? Uh, a little bit stunned. Lore is kind of, uh, then we see the ship again. 
crystallinity in pursuit would go to commercial. Yeah, then we're, they're face-to-face, uh, the ship. Uh, they say, we can't communicate with it, uh, no answer. Yeah, Jordy says it's like a giant snowflake, uh, but I don't. It, but also more complex, and I don't understand it. Some electromagnetic stuff, maybe. Uh, but really, I don't know anything. And then uh, Riker says, "Okay." Then Picard uh, uh, says, "Why don't you go ask uh, Lore if you know he knows anything more data?" And then Wesley goes, uh, "I don't trust this person." And Lore says, that's totally normal. Wesley's like, just trying to, he goes, we should encourage him to be suspicious. So he goes, you could come watch me. And Wesley goes, no, thank you. And Picard gets really bent. And then Riker goes, yeah, you got to show Data some respect. Because uh, maybe I'll accompany you. I couldn't tell if this was a ruse or not. Like, and Riker points, like, like at, uh, I mean, I guess because it's season one, maybe it's not. But Riker points sternly at Wesley, follows him down to Lore's room. They stare at the crystal entity. Then they go into Lore's room, or Data in Lore's room. Uh, and uh, they go, look, uh, like well, we had a thoughtful Picard face first. And then they go into the room, He go, and uh, Data Lore says, look, he's twitching. So it's totally Lore. Riker goes, you're right, it's totally Lore. And then he goes, look at it. He's like, uh, he won't wake up. So... Uh, he goes, come on, Data, or come on, Lore, wake up. Uh, it's Data. You know, just, you know, we just, like, just sober up for a second so we can find out about this crystal entity. And he goes, maybe you should leave me alone with him because, you know, he could say something not nice. Uh, and he, leave, they, he goes, I'll totally record everything. And then they leave, and he, Lore goes, what suckers these humans are. Uh, and the Lord just kind of laughs uh, at the human's uh, naivete. And we get a lot of close-ups, like something out of a movie. Riker storms onto the bridge with Wesley. Because it was totally Lord, facial twitch and everything, Captain. Uh, he was sleeping, sleeping off. Uh, but uh, Lore said, uh, and then Data goes, uh, he goes, it was totally, and then Wesley goes, nope. Uh, it was, it was, it was lore faking da- to be data, dude. And this is like a famous scene. Uh, I think everybody tells Wesley to shut up over and over again. It's definitely a meme. Because uh, Wesley goes, no. I think this is when it happens. Uh, yeah, he goes, Instant Crusher, you're, you're out of order. Uh, that's what Picard says. Uh, and then they go, then... Uh, Jordy goes, Crystal Entity's getting closer to us uh, and t- t- touching our shields. Uh, and they, Ricard goes, get ready to do something, red alert. Uh, that's when Data Lore comes on the bridge. So I don't think the shut up part happened yet. Uh, oh, yeah. Then Data Lore says, I can talk to it. And Picard goes, really? Uh, whoa. Uh, he goes, do it. And, and then Lore Data calls. He says, hey, this is Data. Uh, these humans are really powerful, so don't mess with them. Uh, stop attacking, please. And uh, everyone's so impressed. Uh, they say, wow, you really, uh, Jordy goes, wow, that's a way, way to communicate data. That's some communication. And uh, Laura goes, I got a plan. Let's uh, transport a large ship into space, or a large tree into space, and uh, that'll show them how strong we are. 
Uh, we're going to show them how powerful we are with our phasers uh, by blasting an imitation tree. And then we have another hint that they don't catch because uh, Picard says, make it so. And Lore does not understand what that means. Uh, and he goes, uh, what? And Picard goes, get it done, dude. Do Go do it uh, right now. Uh, Tasha st- stares. Picard has a questioning look on his face. Uh, but Wesley stands up, sir, I don't care if I get fired. Uh, that's when he says, shut up, Wesley. Uh, Wesley sits back down for a second. The, then they go, follow data. And then uh, Beverly says, shut up, Wesley. Uh, I can't believe you're saying that to my son. And he goes, this is a starship. Uh, and then Wesley stands up again and says, you know what, I don't care. Uh, fire me. I'm the one that's right. And then Beverly tells him to shut up twice, I think. Uh, she says, shut up. Then he stands up. He goes, if I was an adult, you would be listening to me. And he goes, I want to go back to my room. And then Picard goes, you go with him. And she, Dr. Crusher goes, this is ridiculous. Uh, she goes, this is very patriarchal. But again, I didn't know if this is a ruse. I don't think it is. Uh, then Worf uh, goes to follow Data Lore. And uh, Data Lore does uh, some smooth moves and puts Worf to sleepy poo by uh, patting his head. Uh, yeah, Lore has convoluted plan to blast a giant tree. Uh, this is it. Oh, all the Wesley shut up stuff's at 3837. Uh, lore versus thing. Then they go back to Data's room with Wesley and Beverly. And Wesley goes, I heard you that you know how to turn him on. And she goes, Data. And he goes, No, 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 turn him on. And she goes, Oh, uh, she goes, You're not being very fair. They turn Data on. And then they, they go, Data, that crystal thing's right outside the ship. And Lore's running around. Uh, are you okay? He goes, I function, I'm functioning sufficiently to stop Lore. Uh, we go down to uh, one of the, like, transporter storage rooms, and Lore's making a speech. Crystal entity, great pumpkin, this is your friend Lore. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, these data, Wesley and uh, Beverly, try to sneak onto the thing. Uh, Laura's letting out his plan about, you know, putting the deflector shields down so they can take over. Uh, Data comes out, says, Laura, I got the drop on you. It's too bad. Uh, Making me wish I was an only child. Laura smiles. Uh, He's like, let's dance, buddy. He sees Wesley spying on him. He goes, oh, he gave me a gift to this kid, too. Troublesome little man-child. Now, meanwhile, Beverly's trying to sneak up on them. And Laura goes, you're in a lot of trouble, kid. And then Beverly says, uh, you're in trouble, Laura, addressed as Data. Uh, Laura does the old throw Data into Beverly thing. And he says, hit the road. Uh, uh, just leave me with your son and Data for some strange reason. And, uh, you can see data, this is the advantage of being human. I can uh, trick them with kindness and stuff. He goes, I suckered them. Uh, and he goes, hit the road, doctor. I'm going to count you down, uh, right now. Well, you know, let everybody know they're toast. Uh, 
And he counts one, two, three, four. Then he does more hamming, really good hamming stuff. Uh, he shakes it, shakes her off. Then he goes, thank you, Dr. Soong, for my human qualities. Uh, really great acting. Uh, and he goes, yeah, so, so, something for your son's misdeeds, uh, which gives Data an opening. Uh, Wesley and Data do a dance-off uh, with uh, Lore. Then they do some barrel tossing, which was like a game, like a, I don't know, like I've seen that in games before. Uh, but Data says, don't worry, Wesley, I got a plan. Uh, get the transporter ready. And uh, Lore makes one bad move. Uh, and uh, Data and Wesley work together as collaborators and send Lore uh, somewhere into the crystal entity, I don't know. They they transport him off. Uh, and Laura's gone. Then everybody shows up on the, their. Then uh, Leslie says, Laura's gone permanently, sir. Beverly runs. Uh, says, Nice job, Wesley. And then Picard starts, he goes, Wesley, uh, Beverly, uh, go to uh, uh, Sick Bay. Uh, then the crystal entity starts to retreat, uh, I guess, because they, they showed they were effective. There's a fan. Oh, Beverly and Wesley hug. Uh, crystal's out. Uh, Data's quiet. Picard goes, you okay? Data goes, I'm fine. Uh, he has a twitch. And then Picard goes, get rid of that twitch and put on a uniform then. And he goes, yeah, correct. And then Picard goes, Wesley, uh, get back to work if you can. Uh, no apology, but he says, uh, let everybody know it's okay. Guard kind of looks at the crystal entity. Riker says, it's gone. You know, without lore, it couldn't get here. And uh, Guard goes, it's time for a computer refit. Uh, better get to that. Uh, and then they walk off together, two of them. Because have you ever considered uh, that uh, whether data is more human or less human than we want? Uh and Riker says, I only wish we were all as well-balanced, sir. Guard goes, agreed. And then they head off uh, into the hallway. And we see the Enterprise head off into the stars uh, and into dreamland. Good night.